What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Tennessee's defense went from dismal to dominant, and the end-of-the-season question mark about this team went to an exclamation point, and Tennessee likely is assured of a New Year's Six bowl game. Welcome to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Tennessee 56, Vanderbilt 0. It's the uh, largest SEC shutout for Tennessee, uh, I think, ever. Uh, they beat Vanderbilt, or, or the second largest ever. They beat Vanderbilt 65 nothing a few years back. So uh, what a dominating performance by Tennessee coming off that loss to South Carolina. I'm Jimmy Himes along with VFL Tim Irwin. Tim, your thoughts on Tennessee's performance? I thought uh... – Besides being markedly better in personnel, that Vanderbilt had one of those Murphy's Law days, everything that they did that was positive. I mean, think about the game. They have a kickoff run back against them. It was well executed by Tennessee. The punt. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, a punt run back against them. They have a missed a shank field goal from about 30 yards. Then they do a beautiful fake, catch Tennessee totally off guard. We're definitely asleep at the switch. And the guy makes the first down, tries to be a hero and go farther and fumbles the ball back to us. On a fake punt. Fake punt, yeah, Mm -hmm. fake punt. I mean, three huge special teams plays, so kudos to Tennessee for making those plays. But uh, it just looked like Vanderbilt couldn't get out of its own way at times. I'm thinking, here is a great running quarterback. He ran it about twice, it seemed like. He didn't use his legs as much as I thought he should. I mean, where was the read? He he ran a read option and just killed us with it. And I thought, okay, they'll come back to that seven or eight times. They never did. And they didn't throw the ball much at all. They kept trying to run the corners where they had some success. But Tennessee's defensive line did a great job stopping the interior runs. They got pressure on the quarterback, particularly in the second half, and uh, just, just took a wrecking ball. I can't believe – that we shut out even Vanderbilt after the performance the week before. I was amazed. And then, you know, of course, the negatives with Joe Milton is, I mean, he doesn't just overthrow people. He throws overthrows them 15 or 20 yards. And he does it over and over and over. There's no adjustment. I mean, that thing is set on high. That arm is set on high. Uh, and the field's really not long enough to contain it. Uh, Tennessee. Uh, oh, there was another play. You went through a few things, and Vanderbilt had a guy wide open. They oh. uh, they overthrew him a little bit. He tried to make a diving catch. Uh, uh, you saw a bobble there. Incomplete. Yeah, I did see. I saw when and, he was pulling it back to his body. Yeah. I thought he bobbled it. Good throw. It's a touchdown. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, but uh, for Tennessee, it was uh, just a, a incredible performance. He, I wondered how they would bounce back from. The South Carolina game, I really did, in particular on defense, and then, then to pitch a shutout like that was pretty impressive. Uh, there were there were a lot of comments post game made about people questioning their culture. Um, I'm not sure where that was coming from. Uh, I think there were comments made, and of which I made, that if the culture's right, which I thought it was, they will bounce back and beat Vanderbilt, which I thought they would. 
Um, I wonder if some of that was made because of the altercation with Banks and Hooker, which did occur. Uh, I'm not, and I'm again, I'm not saying that's why he was suspended for South Carolina. I thought it was because he missed practice on Monday. In fact, he told somebody that he was not going to play on Monday, that he had been told because he'd missed practice he wasn't going to play. But anyway, uh, there was a lot made about the culture. I think the culture's great. I don't think you can go from what they, where they were in 2020 to where they are now without having a great culture in your locker room. With the exception of one game, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, time that these kids didn't play hard for their coach. I think they like their coach for the most part. They're playing hard for him. I don't really know what they got to fight about. I really don't know what they got to fight about. And I'll say this, no matter what's going on in the locker room, when Jeremy Banks is on the field, he makes a difference. Mm-hmm. He made a difference in that ballgame. He played tremendously in the ballgame, I thought. It was one of the bright, shining stars of the defense. Um, our defensive backs may not have had the best cover skills. There may have been some uh, blown coverages, and, and we got beat on a give-and-go. I mean, a, I mean, a bad a bad out-and-up. We got beat bad on that. I mean, he just, just got completely faked out. But I will say this. They did come up and hit people yes. in that game. They did come up and hit people with one exception, and number five is not going to hit anybody. He not, it's just not in his DNA. He's not going to hit anybody. He might jump on a pile, but he's not going to hit anybody. But the rest of them came up and hit people, and they did not uh, do a bunch of trash talking, which maybe that was South Carolina generating some of that trash talking, but they didn't do a bunch of trash talking, and they looked like a better team. The other option might have been the coaches said cut out the trash talking. Yeah, especially when you get beat for a first down. Yeah. So, yeah. but, um, and there were just a slew of injuries for Tennessee. It was amazing. There were five different defensive backs that were out. Of course, Warren Burrell's out for the year. Uh, Turnage, uh, Slaughter, uh, Rucker, Flowers, uh, they didn't play. Uh, Joe uh, Mancy on the offensive line uh, did not play at left tackle. Uh, and then they had two other linemen that got hurt during the, three other linemen that got hurt during the course of the game. Uh, Lampley got hurt. Uh, J.J. Crawford uh, got hurt. Jerome Carvin got hurt. Didn't play with Hooker. Uh, didn't play with Tillman. Cooper I mean, got rattled for a couple plays and came back in. Came yeah. back in. Yeah, yeah they, they got, it was a it was a wet, cold, tough football game up front. I had a dozen Tennessee players that either didn't play or left the game with injury, and you still won fifty six to nothing. So. Let me, let me jump into my uh, thumbs up before we get to the, uh, our callers here. So Tennessee ran for 362 yards on 31 carries. That is a program record, 11.7 yards per carry. Jalen Wright, five carries, 160 yards, two touchdowns. Dylan Sampson, 12 carries, 131 yards and a touchdown. Jabari Small, 11 carries, 79 yards and two touchdowns. And you got to give a handout to an offensive line that was banged up and just um, – did, a, did a, a great job under the circumstances, I thought. All right, to the defense, the tip of the cap. L- let me say this about Banks. I thought Tennessee missed Banks against South Carolina. I didn't think it was a huge deal. I'm going to have to walk back on that one a little bit. Yeah, he's, he made he's a, a difference, difference maker. Uh, the defense allowed 254 yards and pitched that shutout, as we talked about, the second largest um, uh, win margin for Tennessee against an SEC opponent ever, uh, 65 nothing over Vanderbilt in 1994. By the way, that game in 94, if I remember correctly, I think that's the game that was Jerry DiNardo's last game as Vanderbilt's coach. LSU had hired him, 
And after LSU had hired him, they lost 65 nothing to Tennessee. I wonder if LSU had second thoughts about that. All right, uh, a few other th- uh, thumbs up. Uh, D. Williams, 73-yard punt return and forced the fumble after the fake punt. Uh, Milton's, uh, Joe Milton, 61-yard pass to, to Hyatt to start the Tennessee got off to a good start. We thought that would be important after what happened last week. They outscored Vanderbilt 14 nothing in the first quarter. Run defense, 13 tackles for loss. Uh, Jeremy Banks with seven tackles. That was second on the team. Roman Harrison with two sacks. Uh, also, Tennessee has now set a school record for points scored in a season, 568. They scored over 500 last year, which was the record. First 10-win season in the regular – first 10-win regular season since 2003. And, um, uh, okay, that's enough thumbs up. I don't have many thumbs down, but uh, a couple of them. Joe Milton – uh, boy, he he uh, he just overthrows a lot. He is not a real accurate. I got another passer. one. Why in the world does Joe Milton not ever run? He's got the he's got yeah. a body like Hercules. Yeah. He didn't ever look for it, and sometimes it was there. Yeah, and he threw it away or did run? Take off, man! You're a stud. Run down through there and bruise somebody. I thought they would incorporate more runs with him. Because they 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 did run him a few times against South Carolina, and he was productive. Yeah, uh, I, I was. Now, if if there's a flip side to that, maybe they're thinking we can't get the guy hurt. Well, maybe that was part of it. I don't they know. ran him against South Carolina when we were already whipped. That's true. And and now they they don't run him against the game. I mean, I don't know. I didn't understand that. Uh, thumbs down. The defense <clears throat> defense was offside three times, and then got called for disconcerting signals. Uh, Tim, they called Jeremy Banks. He turned around to the safeties and clapped, apparently trying to signal him what they're going to do. That was a uh, Bush League bad call. Yeah, that's that guy made some weird <laughs> announcements. That whoever that uh, head referee was, he <laughs> he he made. Um, they called a defensive chop block. They called yeah. a, a the signal duplicating the signal call. I mean, stuff you just don't see every day. Uh, I mean, they didn't have. A, they must not have had a lot to do. There was a leaping call also that oh, went yeah. against Vanderbilt. I, that was I watched them. I've been watching that all year, and yeah. it's not this crew called everything. Yeah, and I've been watching them do that all year and saying that's a penalty when you leap those offensive linemen. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> but they did call that. I was glad to see that called. Actually, I think that's a yeah. dangerous move. Yep, it is dangerous. That's why they put that rule in there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought Tennessee's kick coverage uh, a couple of times they let Vandy uh, break oh, them, yeah. break them out uh, of there. The so. kick coverage was. And why, against a inferior opponent like that, are we not kicking the ball in the end zone? Why are you risking the yeah. injury that comes on the play? Just kick it in the end zone. And we I think we're trying to be cute and pin them inside the 20. I don't I don't think that six or seven yards makes a big difference, Jimmy, the 25 or the 18. I agree. I, I mean, kick it in the end zone if we can. If we can't, then we can't. All right, um, I tell you what, let's go ahead and uh, get a call because we're going to be fielding questions about this. So we'll get Joe on right away here. Joe, you're on Sunday Sports Sound Off. Yeah, since we've been on the you know, 10 and 2 um, season, what bowl game do you think we'll be going to? Joe, I think Tennessee's going to end up in the Cotton Bowl. Let, let me tell you how that works. So there was a, I had a thought Tennessee might make the Sugar Bowl. It's still possible, but it's unlikely. Uh, the Sugar Bowl is obligated to take the highest-ranked team in the college football playoff rankings that is not in the college football playoff. 
Well, right now, that's going to be Alabama. So Alabama, even though Tennessee beat them head-to-head, is ranked ahead of Tennessee in the college football playoff. So Alabama, as of now, would go to the Sugar Bowl. The next choice, you've got now you've got the, the other New Year's Six Bowl games, the Cotton and the Orange Bowl. I think the Orange Bowl is going to go ACC Big Ten. I think the Cotton Bowl is going to take Tennessee. And then Tennessee would likely be matched up against a group of five team, which looks like right now to be Tulane. So right now, I think Tennessee's headed to the Cotton Bowl. Do you know what team we might be playing in the Cotton Bowl? As I mentioned, a group of five team, and I think it would be Tulane. Tulane is the highest-ranked group of five team right now. After just beating the Bearcats. Yes, of Cincinnati. Yes. Oh, it'll be Cincinnati? No, it'll be Tulane. They beat Cincinnati. Okay, Tulane. Okay. I never heard of that school. Okay. It's in New Orleans. It used to be a member of the Southeastern Conference oh. and used to beat LSU every once in a while. It was a, it's a pretty big – Vince Gibson, coach of uh, – father of Greg Gibson, who was a UT assistant, was the head coach down there for many years. Okay, okay. And Vince Gibson coached right. here too, didn't he? Uh, Greg did. I, thought, I, don't, yeah. I don't know about Vince, but Greg coached here for sure. For some reason, I think Vince coached here in the 60s. May have. When they had those great linebackers. Uh, um, may have, but uh, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. He ended. Up, he also coached at like Kansas State, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, Joe, uh, appreciate the question. That's what we think, uh, and we'll see. We'll also discuss the college football playoff rankings uh, as well a little bit later. But if you want to join us, eight six five six five six ninety nine hundred one eight six 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 five six ninety nine hundred with VFL Timmer. When I'm Jimmy Himes, you're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real, because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. There were a lot of guys that were out tonight. Um, defensively, obviously, uh, we're missing you know three guys that uh, probably started a, a week ago. Um, guys played different positions. They played them well. Uh, offensively, we were missing a bunch of guys that uh, weren't able to, to play in this one. Next man up, competed hard, and uh, you know proud of uh, of the effort. And nobody batted an eye. And uh, you know when they got their opportunity, uh, they played you know good football. That's Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel talking about the Vols' ability to overcome what ended up being the loss of a dozen players that either got hurt during the game or were hurt and didn't even play in the game. And yet they destroyed Vanderbilt 56-0. You ever get tired of me saying 56-0? No, not a bit. Not a bit. I'll tell you (laughs) what I thought was kind of actually Bush League. Vanderbilt put their starting quarterback back in there with several of their starting linemen 
and tried to get a score on Tennessee's third team late in the game. And I thought, that's Bush League, Coach. Just take your whipping and go home. It didn't work, did it? Yeah, no, it didn't work. Our, our third <laughs> team whipped them. That West uh, kid got two sacks, I think. Was there a kid named West back there, up there was. They um so they didn't credit him with sacks because the quarterback fumbled the snap. Well, but there were tackles for loss yeah, on the quarterback. Big time tackles yeah, for loss. He's a he's a good looking player now. Yeah. He's gonna be a really nice player. I don't player know anything about him. That's uh, the first Tyree West, he was a highly rated he and um there were two other defensive linemen that are highly rated, uh, Joshua Josephs. And uh, James Pierce. Now, those two play in. West is a defensive tackle. Oh, he looked good he last was, night. Yes. He, he is a good-looking player. Um, 42, I believe is his number. Yeah, I need to um, I need to meet with those guys, being to, a big guy myself, <laughs> and I need to tell them how bad sometimes those small numbers look on those big bodies. I mean, I'm looking around, and it's not just Tennessee. It's everybody doing it. I see, like I saw somebody, a defensive lineman in number 11, I see That's twenty. Bumpus. I see Bumpus. I see twenty-one out there all Thomas. the time. Thomas, <laughs> I'm like, guys, get you some big numbers. They look better on big guys. I need to talk to them about that. I mean, you don't want to go out there with a little number on a big old body. It just doesn't look right. Now, here we go. Uh, so Tyree West, ha- he did have a sack and two tackles for loss. Yeah, he but showed he did up. Get a sack on one of those. Uh, Roman Harrison had the two sacks, and as we mentioned earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, thirteen tackles for loss uh, for Tennessee. During that game, yeah, That's, they were they were uh, penetrating and getting underneath those uh, screen passes, particularly in the second half. They made an adjustment there on a play that was kind of effective against us in the first half. But Vanderbilt was definitely attacking the corners of the field. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get the ball out mm-hmm. wide, and we're doing some damage initially. We shut it down. We made some good halftime adjustments, I thought, in that game as well on defense. Uh, you could answer this, but I, I said going in, and correct me if you see it differently, with the rainy conditions that you had, and I know Vanderbilt can't throw the ball like South Carolina. They just can't. They're not as good. Mike Wright is not a good passer. But I thought going in, you've got if you control the line of scrimmage in that wet conditions like that, you'll win the game. Now, I didn't think they would beat them that badly. Nobody did. I was looking there's, at some of the scores. There's but, two takes on that, Jimmy. Yeah. And – particularly in snow, maybe not so much rain, but offensive players know which way they're going. Yes. And defensive players don't. So they got to react on a slick surface to an offensive guy that knows where his cuts are. Uh, That should help a wide receiver, It should, and it does. And I think it's easier to get open sometimes on a wet field. Now it's harder to throw the ball when it's wet. It's harder to hang on to the football when it's, Tennessee did a great job hanging on to the football, I thought. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we did the best job throwing it, but I'll take it. I just wanted to see him run some. I wanted to see him run over somebody because it would have made my heart sing, and I didn't get that. I was disappointed in that. I wanted to see that. Let's uh, let's go back to the phones where Jay is our next caller. Jay, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Jay. Hey, uh, you know, I just wanted to talk about the season in general, Jimmy and Judge, but, you know, this is the best season that we've had in, you know, probably 20 years. 19, maybe. 20 probably, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think 2001 was our last truly elite football team. I know we had some teams that got to Atlanta after that, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if you would consider those teams to be elite. Um 
And, it, and it's just weird. A lot of it, there's a lot of great memories with this season, and there's also going to be probably what I consider in my lifetime the most back-breaking, devastating loss <laughs> when you consider that South Carolina loss. And those two things are just going to have to coexist. And it's a weird place to be because you would think that if you had your best season that you've had in 20 years, you wouldn't have that kind of loss in the season, but you did. And you just have to accept it. But, you know, Heupel, when Heupel took over, people thought this was going to be a five- or six-year rebuild till we could even get to a bowl game. And, he, you know, he lost 35 players in the portal. I think we're way ahead of schedule, guys. And I think the program's in a good place. I know people want to take their shots at Tennessee for that South Carolina loss. But, you know, overall, I think the program's in a good place. And I'll just say this, the last thing I'll say is, I, I don't think we can get into the playoff, obviously, so I hope we don't jump Bama. I want Bama to go to the Sugar Bowl. I want to go to the Orange Bowl and play Clemson. I'll hang up and listen, guys. Thanks. Okay. Uh, Joe, we appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit on five or six years to get to bowl game. Um, not everybody did this. I picked Tennessee to go 6-6 six and six the first year that he was here. That's a bowl game. I didn't think it'd take five or six years to get to a bowl game. Uh, the other part of that is the devastating loss he's talking about with South Carolina. So he felt like this is the most elite team Tennessee's had since 2001. What happened that year? A devastating loss to LSU in the SEC championship game. LSU lost its quarterback. It lost its uh, starting running back and rallied to beat Tennessee in the second half. If Tennessee would have won that game, Tennessee would have played Miami in the Rose Bowl for the national championship. That is a devastating loss. South Carolina is too. Um, uh, the other, there were a couple of 10-win seasons, and I can't argue too much with this. So 2007, that's the last year Tennessee won 10 games. That was overall. They had to get a bowl win to do it. That team was ranked uh, 12th in the final AP poll. They were never a top-10 team. 2003 is the last time they won 10 in the regular season. That team in the last uh, going into the bowl game was ranked number six. But I look, this is a better team to me. Um, that team got blown out by Georgia in 2003, uh, lost a close game to Auburn, and uh, ended up uh, not playing for the uh, conference championship. But uh, to his point, uh, to look at the season in general, Tim, I think it's been a terrific year. This has been one of the most enjoyable teams to me to cover. been doing this. It's my 38th football season covering Tennessee. This would be in my top five of the most enjoyable seasons I've covered. And a part of that is you went so long in the wilderness before you you finally found the promised land to a certain degree and became a, a heck of a team that was ranked number one at one point in the college football playoff rankings. We were such a bad football team at the end of Pruitt's term. Yes. I mean, we just were in a shambles. And to pick up those pieces and achieve in two years what this staff has achieved, I believe in them. I mean, I I believe – I don't know anything about hurry up. I mean, I didn't ever do much of that. Uh, I hurry up my family a lot because they all run late except me, and I'm an early guy. But – I don't know anything about hurry-up offense, and I've sure enjoyed watching it. I can't think of – I have to go back a long time. I have to probably go back to the national championship year to find a more exciting season 
the expectations were higher when Peyton was your quarterback. Right. When T was your quarterback. I mean, the expectations were out there and up. Here we just went from zero to 60 in no time. And it was exciting. I mean, it was exciting to be relevant again while it lasted. It was a hard fall. Uh, It was a hard fall at Georgia, and it was a harder fall at South Carolina. And uh, I think South Carolina was a lot better football team than their record showed and that they had played, and I think they found themselves. That was part of it. But we stunk the joint up, too. Mm -hmm. That's part of it, too. And uh, I hope those guys remember that next year when they come here. I agree with you on South Carolina. Watching them, I'm, I'm thinking, how in the world did that team lose to Missouri? When I watched Tennessee, when I watched Tennessee surrender 63 points to South Carolina, and then South Carolina beats Clemson. I mean, that's a pretty good looking team right yeah. now. Now, and then you say, where's that team been? I'll ask this question: Where's that Texas A&M team been? Yeah. They just beat LSU last night, uh, 38 to 23 or whatever it was. And uh, A-Chain, the running back, gained over 200 yards and had two touchdowns. Boy, he's special. Yeah, that one run he made where it looked like they had him pinned on the left side and he just zip, zap, zoop, gone. I mean, yep. he's a special kid. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say this, and we didn't comment. We've got a young running back that's definitely, after watching him three games and seeing him play a lot, Jimmy, he's got another gear that Dylan other Sims. people don't have. He's going to be something special when he figures it out. He's from the uh, New Orleans area or Baton Rouge area, somewhere in between in there. I think is it. I think it's closer to New Orleans. I think it's Geismer. I'll look that up. He, uh, but, yeah, he's uh, got he, some skills. Yeah, he's a good-looking running back. Uh, let me. I'm going to go over these numbers. Jay had mentioned the 35 in the transfer portal. There were four others that entered the transfer portal during that season after Hypo, um, after it started, including some quarterbacks. There were two players that retired because of injury, one of them being a tight end named Austin Pope. There were four players that Tennessee let out of their national letter of intent. So when you add all of that up, you're at 30, let me get 39 plus 245. 45 players could have been on that roster that weren't. That's a lot of attrition. Now, they made up for some of that in the transfer portal, not all of it. You know, I think a message was sent. If you don't want to be here, mm-hmm. pack your stuff. I think that message was sent, and it needed to be. And we didn't need guys carrying over that culture that was here before. I'd rather start with a clean slate. When we come back, I want to ask you about that and get your take on on um, those that stayed. But when we come, we'll address that. We're also going to hear more from Tennessee players and from Tennessee coaches a little bit later in the show. With BFL Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Exactly how you thought it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, end of the day, uh, we were we were pretty clean up fl- uh, up front. Uh, there were a couple of pull schemes uh, that, uh, that that happened on, uh, and uh, you know, up front uh, did a really good job on double teams, but got off on the second level too. Uh, the backs pressing the, the the course was important too, just to, to hold the, the backers inside. Um, on a couple of them, they stepped through some stuff too, and uh, you know, D. Sam uh, stepped through one, Jalen Wright stepped through one too, um, you know. So it, it was everybody involved in, the, in those runs. That's Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel talking about what worked well in the running game. Uh, I got an answer: everything. 
Tennessee, 362 yards, averaging 11.7 yards a carry. That is a school record. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Uh, I'm Jimmy Himes along with VFL Tim Irwin. Tim, before we get back to the calls, I do want to ask you this. So we saw a number of people that entered the transfer portal and left Tennessee uh, under Pruitt and then when Hapel took over. Uh, but those that stayed, what, what do you think it's like? I almost equate that to you got a foxhole. A whole bunch of people ran out of the foxhole. But those that stayed in the foxhole, they built a bond. They got each other's back. Do you think there was something to building a positive chemistry among those that stayed? Yeah, I think so. I've been through that. I mean, I was uh, part of uh, Tennessee's team one year under Bill Battle, and then when he was terminated and Coach Majors was brought in here, I was one of the ones that stayed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like I had a whole lot of choice. I mean, I hadn't done anything in year one uh, that would have enamored me to be sought after by the rest of the country. But, uh, yeah, I think it's – I think it toughens you up a little bit. Uh, You don't want to go back there. You don't want to go back to that state that you were in where your coach got fired and everybody talked about what a bad team you were on. You don't want to go back there. And fear is a great motivator too. I think there's probably something to that. The guys that stayed getting a little tougher. Yeah, I believe believe that. Let's go uh, back to the phones where John is our next caller. John, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, I'm a transplant from uh, upstate New York and uh, was an Orange fan up there. But, man, I'm a new Orange fan here, and it didn't take long. My neighbors started it, pulled our for sale sign off, and they were having a throwdown party like I never saw before in their basement. And uh, they're like, you're an Orange fan now, a real Orange fan. And, uh, man, I just ball with them. They welcomed us, and uh, we we hooked up, and we watched an Alabama game a year ago. And then I was like, oh, my God, I hope I'm not a jinx here because I thought we might not finish that one the way they did with that kick. And uh, I said, man, I I didn't even want to be there if they lost again. And then they were going to blame the other orange people, you know. Now now everybody wants to know your neighbor's address. (laughs) Yeah, right? I was like, oh, my God, they better win. And they did, and that was just just unbelievable how I saw how those fans were – and they told me, they're like, this is how it was, you know, and this is how it's going to be from now on because the hypo and the boys, and it's really wonderful to see. But anyway, about Milton, I just the, – the play of the game for me was when they did that. It was about a five-yard run, I think, to the end zone, and uh, he ended up – you could see he was back and he was going to stand there, and then he said, the heck with that, man. This guy's getting me in the end zone, and he pushed him in, and I was like, this kid is a player, man. And that team, they did that together, and it, it was phenomenal to watch, man. I really loved it. So uh, I just hope that uh, – and I love the attitude that him and Hooker have together. I think it's wonderful to see good teammates. love it. So uh, one other thing about that, uh, when Milton does get uh, a little bit quicker with that hurry up, I saw that one play near the end of the game. We had, uh, two, we had three wideouts over on the left side. And they had only one back initially. And then if if it was a little quicker, we would have had two unaccounted for receivers. And then the next, then it, it just didn't get off as quick as, you know, it normally would until he gets better with that. 
and then they had two, and then they ended up getting that third one over there. And I, I can't remember, but I forget if what the play will call it finished, but that just caught my eye is how confused those defenses are with that hurry up. I think it's awesome. So I enjoy your show and thanks a lot. Jim, we appreciate it. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the benefits of that hurry up offense is you catch teams misaligned often. Oh yeah, and I we had forgotten to mention that play, that touchdown. Tennessee was absolutely stuffed, mm-hmm. and I I was a little surprised that they didn't blow the whistle when we started going backwards, and Milton ran up there and hit uh, Fant in the back and pushed them both across the end zone. And what did Fanta had the ball on yes. that? Yeah, and and uh, I thought, man, what a great play! And uh, yeah, it was an important play too because uh, in the first half we scored on that play, which could have very easily been stuffed, and we scored on a, a kickoff return. You take those two plays away, it's seven to nothing ball game going into halftime. Yeah, the uh, the fan touchdown was the second touchdown for Tennessee That's in right. the game, uh, so it made it fourteen nothing. Uh, the D Williams punt return made it twenty one nothing. Um, I wasn't comfortable until they got to about 35. <laughs> oh, really? No. <laughs> you remember he had flashbacks to the Columbia. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, let's uh, go to uh, Steve. Steve, you're on Sports Sound Off. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning. Hey, Tim, I'm a Central High grad of 1968, so I just want to mention that to you. We appreciate you. Wow. Cool. The uh, the thing I wanted to, to talk about was, first of all, let me say this. I've never been a football coach. But, Tim, you've been in a million practices. How can he not have been corrected on overthrowing those balls? He's had a, They've had a year <laughs> to do that. And you've been in so many practices. Don't they work on that stuff? You'd think they could have corrected this by now. I'm – I saw him throw one short pass, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he's going to kill the receiver. He caught it. It was one particular pass, and I can't remember who caught it. But I'm thinking, my gosh, that guy's going to have to have a hand transplant after catching that ball that had so much mustard on it. I don't know. I I don't know how you make somebody back off. I wonder if he's ever been put on a radar gun with a baseball or a football, either one. I wonder if he's ever been put on some kind of gun. To see a hard, yeah. I'd love to see him throw a baseball. I mean, I could, I, I, uh, I got to believe he'd throw a lot of pitches high, uh, but I'd like to see him throw a baseball and see how hard he could throw one. He's, he is an incredibly strong guy. You know, there was a quarterback from Kentucky that went to the NFL and made a great tight end. And I'm wondering if he doesn't have that kind of body and that. I, I wanted to see him run yesterday. You talking about Derek Ramsey? Yes, and I want because he was a quarterback when I was getting recruited by Kentucky, and I remember him very well. Uh, I wonder if he doesn't have that kind of body. I mean, uh, I'm not saying he doesn't have a future as a quarterback, and I'm not saying he can't get it straightened out and do great things next year. But uh, they hadn't been able to straighten it out so far, and they're pretty good quarterback coaches, I'd have to say, based on their whole body of work. Steve, I know that they have worked on it with him, and they've worked on him trying to get put some touch on the ball. He doesn't put any right. touch on it. Everything is right. a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He needs to learn the changeup, uh, and that's not been easy for him. 
I also wonder this, and we don't get to see practice, so I can't speak except the first few weeks of August. But I wonder if when the adrenaline gets flowing in a game, he just rears back and flings it. And yes. touch be darn. But uh, I wonder if he's ever tried to throw the javelin. I mean, he'd be great at that. We got him playing playing baseball and track. Bill Skinner come in and take a look at him. Skinner come back and take a look at him, you know. uh, Wow. I mean, he got I think if Tony Vitello took him over there, he'd he'd have trouble finding a batter to get up and bat against this guy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You wouldn't want to get hit by him. Yeah. No. Yeah. So – we don't know the answer. Right, we wish we did, but <laughs> evidently the UT coaches don't know it either. So, so, um, um, all right. Let me um, uh, let me run through one other question here before we uh, uh, move in. So uh, exciting! This comes from um, uh, one of our. This is Skeeter from Taswell. Exciting season for the Vols. How can they, meaning the College Football Playoff Ranking Committee? Have Alabama ahead of the Vols. That is ludicrous. Talk me off the edge. Uh, all right. Ledge, I mean. Uh, I think it's because of this. Yes, Tennessee beat them head-to-head. They have the same amount of losses. Tennessee has a worse loss than does Alabama to South Carolina. Alabama's losses were on a field goal against Tennessee and a two-point conversion against LSU. So those are two, quote, quality losses. The loss to South Carolina, although South Carolina is better than we thought, 63-38 doesn't look too good. So I think it's because Tennessee has what they would look at as a bad loss, even though Tennessee beat them head-to-head. But you could certainly make an argument Tennessee should be ahead of Alabama. I believe with Alabama's quarterback, they're the most likely team in the nation to be able to beat Georgia right now. I still believe that. They've got two losses. They were close yeah. ones. But I still yeah. think they're the most likely team in the country to be able to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I think you're probably right. And I don't know that uh, they can do it, but I think they're the most likely. Yeah. I will say I was impressed with Michigan. I picked that game. If you yeah. remember, two weeks ago I said yeah. Michigan's Michigan's going to give them more of a game than you think. I thought Michigan would win. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I was impressed. I took Ohio State, but I was impressed with what Michigan did. Michigan – had five scoring plays of at least of over 45 yards in that game. You may not like the Harbaugh brothers, but you got to admit they're competitors. Yeah. And they, they know what they're doing coaching-wise. First time Michigan won in Ohio State since 2000. First time they won back-to-back games against Ohio State since 1999-2000. So that was a huge win for Michigan. But I'm, I'm mulling your question, and because of Bryce Young, you may be right. Uh, I'd, I really like Caleb Williams at Southern Cal. I think he is a great football player. He is going to be on my Heisman Trophy ballot. I don't know that I think Southern Cal has the athletes on defense, though. Alabama's defense isn't great. Alabama's defensive backs have not played up to par this year. No, they have not. They have not. And so that that would be an interesting matchup to see if that came to fruition, but I don't. we're not going to see it. Not going to happen yeah. now because LSU's coach that they spent all that money on was gutsy enough to go for two and get it. Yep. That's what it came down to. And now he's going into the SEC championship with three losses. Yep. And they're out of the playoff picture. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting if they beat Georgia? If they (laughs) beat Georgia, yeah. Doesn't go to the college football playoff. 
Ah, uh, Georgia still goes if they lose. Georgia would, but the SEC champion, no, the LSU, they will would go. not. No, they're not going yeah. to Yeah, so interesting. All right, when we come back, we'll have more. If you want to join us, 865-656-9900. 1-866-656-9900. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds when the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. No, nothing changed. Um, I've been doing this for since Henderman started, since day one. Um, ever since that day, it's just been, you know, preparing myself to be ready for the moment. And obviously, that was tonight, so I had to get make sure I was right for the for tonight. That's Tennessee quarterback Joe Milton. When asked, "Did the week change any before the game because you were going to be the starter?" Uh, welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off. I'm Jimmy Himes with Tim Irwin. Uh, we had the question earlier, and we'll go ahead and answer it right now, because Joe Milton, after the game, was asked, when you when you tend to overthrow, when you miss, you tend to overthrow, what leads to that? I mean, sometimes it leads to excitement, but, um, you know, you kind of just flush it and get ready for the next play, man. You know, that's the point of this offense. So, I mean, yeah, uh, you can say it's excitement, yeah. So that's what uh, Joe Milton uh, said. He's missing because of excitement. By the way, it was his first start in 400-something days. He had not started since game two of uh, last season in September. So, all right, let's go uh, Let's go back to the phones where Mike is our next caller. Hello, Mike. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Morning. So, so how's the uh, committee going to view the, the South Carolina loss? Are they going to view it as a loss as a loss? Or are they going to take into consideration it was a big loss because – they said there at one point that Oregon's loss, what loss, it was still just a loss. So they weren't counting well, the points. Well, okay, Here, here's what I remember. I, I didn't quite hear it that way. Mike, what I heard them say was that Georgia's win over Oregon was a dominating performance and Georgia dominated Tennessee, so they didn't pay attention to the 46-point spread versus 14. That's what I heard them say. So they were looking at dominating performance. Now, South Carolina dominated Tennessee. How will they view that? I don't know. I will say this, Mike. I think Tennessee should get more respect from that game based on the fact South Carolina beat Clemson. Let me point out something in that discussion, too. We were dominated – but we scored 38 points on the road in that game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's usually enough to win. So, I mean, when you look at it, if you weren't there and you're just looking at it, it doesn't look as bad as it doesn't look as bad as it was. 
but it was it was terrible if you were watching it live, of course. But another part of that, uh, in the third quarter, it was 35-31. Right. And then South Carolina pulled away and Tennessee struggled. Yep. So. All right. Thank you, guys. Okay. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Uh, let's go yeah. to uh, let's go to Rick. Rick, you're on Sports Sound Off. Morning, guys. How are you? Good morning. Good. Hey, guys. You were talking about uh, uh, Joe Milton running the ball. Uh, there was one play when he was flushed out of the pocket, and mm. he uh, he threw a, a bullet to somebody. But I, I could see the field, and I'm going run it. You, you can run forever, Coach Majors. And, uh, I guess he. Just, yeah. You Co- know, I guess he just didn't, but. Uh, I'm like Tim. When we got 35 points, I took a deep breath. And uh, the only two games I missed this year was South Carolina and Vanderbilt. But, uh, hey, you were talking about earlier about the 2001 game uh, at the SEC championship. We were there, and uh, Rohan Dravey was the best player we had on the field. And he played Trellis, and we knocked him out. I'm like, we got this under control. And they bring somebody in called Matt Monk. Never heard of him before and haven't heard of him since. But he kicked our butt. You guys remember that? Absolutely. And he did it with a bunch of quarterback draws. He mm. did not throw the ball he much. He, he beat Tennessee with his no. legs. That's, uh, hey, guys, I got four SEC championship tickets if you want them. <laughs> the, uh, when Coach Majors was coaching, we had a quarterback uh, I played with in my class when I got to UT named Jimmy Streeter. And I can remember him oh, practice yeah. over and over again saying, Jimmy Streeter. We want to throw the ball forward. You can run down there and hand it to him. And and I felt the same way <laughs> on the play you were talking about with Milton yesterday. I'm like, let them see that big, fast body run down that field and bruise somebody. I was wanting that to happen so bad. I was wanting him to scatter to some DBs. Hey, I was wanting him to level one. I wanted to see one laying flat out with him getting up and just looking at him. But but um, it's going to come. I think we worked with him in the off season. We got uh, we got a quarterback coming. We got some other quarterbacks. I and uh, with some of the other guys we got coming. I, I think I think next year is going to be exciting. But uh, anyway, guys, I appreciate what you do, and uh, it's a great season. Okay, thanks, Rick. Appreciate. It. Tell you what, let's go ahead and work in uh, Allen ahead of a break. Allen, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey guys, thanks for letting me call in. Uh, hey, so excited about this season, and so excited about the guy getting 10 wins and with Heupel I mean he's definitely gosh so far ahead of schedule I'm just so proud of where he's got the team has Oden, so first of all we've got one of the worst passing defenses in the, in the entire nation do y'all see any kind of coaching changes on the secondary or something along that line and then secondly with Ole Miss offering Lane nine million surely to goodness we can't accept Heupel making less than Lane uh, has Ole Miss set the bar for us and I know they set the timeline because they're they're having a conference this weekend. So, what's your all thoughts on uh, you know, do we put Heupel at ten? What's your thoughts? And uh, hey, I'll get off here and listen. And as always, go Vols. Okay, thanks, Alan. Uh, I tell you what, that's a lot to digest. We will we'll tackle both of those when we come back about the secondary coaching change, Lane Kiffin making nine million a year over the rest of the contract. Remember. They got in a bidding war with Auburn, which certainly impacted that. But when we come back, we will have more with VFL Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off.
Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. <laughs> I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. <laughs> Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.